Welcome to the Cool Tools Show. I'm Mark Frauenfelder, Editor-in-Chief of Cool Tools, a website of tool recommendations written by our readers. You can find us at cool-tools.org. I'm joined by my co-host, Kevin Kelly, founder of Cool Tools. Hey, Kevin. Hey, it's great to be here. In each episode of the Cool Tools Show, Kevin and I talk to a guest about some of his or her favorite uncommon and uncommonly good tools they think others should know about. Before we introduce this week's guest, I want to give a shout out to our Patreon supporters. Patreon is a great way to support everything Cool Tools does, including our newsletters, our podcast, our video channel, and our review website. This week, we want to give a shout out to Rachel Steele, Michael Leonardi, David Robson, Viral Patel. Thank you so much. And if you want to become a patron of Cool Tools, all you have to do is visit patreon.com slash cool tools. Our guest this week is Sean Bonner. It's hard to explain what Sean Bonner does exactly. I've known Sean for a long time. I know that he is an author. He's an artist. He's an activist. He's a musician, entrepreneur. It is really kind of impossible to describe what he does. He calls himself a misanthropologist. He's been credited with changing the world more than once and uncredited even more than that. Hey, Sean, how are you? I'm doing fantastic. How are you? Good. Thank you. I think your call of fame is that you're on the Cool Tools podcast. I think that's... <laughs> that's the new one for that's sure. Yeah. Yeah. Send out an update <laughs> to everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. Yeah, Sean, you, you are impossible to pin down in a very good way. You're always doing something surprising. You're always revealing to me a new talent or pocket of knowledge. Um, one of the things I'd like to talk about is you have kind of become like the go-to guy for NFTs. And a lot of people uh, are approaching you for NFTs to the point where I think you've become like a professional consultant on, on it. But we'll get into that a little later. Um, Let's talk about, first of all, some of your music-related interests, and tell me what the heck a Bugera PS1 is. So this is something that I only learned about myself pretty recently, um, but it's been kind of a revelation. So my uh, my musical interests have uh, ranged from the uh, noisy to the even more noisy. Um, and one of the, one of the things that helps in making noisy music, uh, especially with a guitar is having, uh, tube amps turned up very, very loud, which is very hard to do in a house, um, <laughs> with other with, people, <laughs> with other right. people, with neighbors, with, with things like that. And, and, um, you know, the way that guitar tube amps work is if they're turned down pretty low, you don't get the power through. Uh, through the tubes and it just doesn't it doesn't do what it's supposed to do so it's not like just you know just turn it down and it's fine you gotta you gotta really crank it in order for it to work so what this thing does is you just plug it right in between your amp and the speaker cabinet and then you can crank the amp all the way all the way to 11 and then this thing sort of eats the power before it gets to the speaker um so it just sort of uh you know, lowers the the volume while keeping the power very very high, and um, and well, it's wonderful. You say it was, power. Uh, I'm I was kind of following you there until you said that. So the volume is low, but the power is high. The power of what? The power of the amp. So like in your in your head, you kind of have to separate wattage from volume, and so the 
power that's going through the amp is still very, very, very high, but the sound that's coming out is now low. So you get that dirty, grungy, oversaturated sound, but at a volume of your choice, which could be quite low. Exactly. So the yeah, so the the tubes and everything, you you really get that kind of distortion of of the things breaking up because there's so much power running through it, but this this eats a bunch of the uh, you know, current the, before it gets anywhere. And that can't be done digitally. Um, I don't think so. Not and especially not if you're talking about a big giant old you know tube a- analog amp um, running it into a computer or, or something along those lines would probably give you undesirable results. Yeah. And so there's a few of these things, there's a few of these different uh, kind of power soak things. And uh, and I was looking around to try to find them and they're kind of like, they're not very cheap. You know, they're sort mm-hmm. of like 1500 bucks or something. And I was like, ah, I don't wow, know. That's a lot of money. It's a lot of money. And, and then I found this thing, which is uh, much, much, much cheaper and does exactly the same thing. And, and I really, if you're just, I mean, it's basically like a giant resistor in a way, right? Mm-hmm. So- mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I didn't know why that needed to be so crazy expensive, and um, yeah, and th- and this and this one works fantastic. So I was I was very happy in being, you know, in in COVID quarantine land inside a house, being able to rock out, but yeah. at reasonable levels. Is, and uh, good for like a, a nice small thing. venue as well. If you're just like paying, playing in a little club. Right? Yeah. Right. Yeah, absolutely. So you can get this the this sort of tone or or sound that you want without the ear splitting volume to go with. I, it's a little kind of thing that they have two dials on it and one dial is, I guess, is the volume. And I am so surprised that they don't go to 11. It only goes to 10. Yeah. It's I like, know. It's sort of like, come on. Missed opportunity. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> after Aftermarket customization uh, right. available right there. And you said, so you're saying that the, you've seen them for 1500. How much are we looking at for this? This one, one, this one is like 110. Mm-hmm. So, so it's huge. Yeah, like a significant difference. And, and uh, you know, there's a whole bunch of people doing YouTube comparisons and they're like, we can't tell any difference, you know, works really That's great. Amazing. So, yeah. And do you have a, a, a tube amp that you like that you could recommend that's like available to folks? Uh, I I don't really know anything about tube amps so mm-hmm. much. So, I mean, I have some things around, but whether whether I would recommend them or whether people would be happy with those recommendations is a whole other story. Mm-hmm. Um, I currently use a uh, orange um, dark terror, mm-hmm. but I have a amp that is being made by a, a company in Germany called Jupiter Effects. Um, and it's a, a clone of, a, of an older amp, a Sun Model T. And uh, that is somewhere in transit to me at the moment, which I'm looking forward to. More exciting. I, I, I don't have a very good ear. Um, so, um, what, but I, I, I know the analog in the digital uh, photography space is that digital can by and large emulate whatever the analog does in terms of like, there's a kind of resurgence in using film, mm-hmm. but a really good digital person can replicate the grain and what anything else you want. The, the effect that you get in the film can be replicated digitally. That's how they, you know, that's how they do the meshing. So I'm just surprised that you can't get the same sound 
digitally and why you would even want to have a tube amp? Yeah, I think there's a whole a whole thing with it that I'm not at all capable of of explaining. <laughs> Honestly, <laughs> um, it's a you know there's entire studios built around analog and then next door one versus digital because they the results are are so drastically different. Um, so so, so, so pe- people really feel that they I mean does it really hold up to that they can tell that something is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I know, I know a bunch of producers who you could just give them a few seconds of something and they can tell you if it was digital or, or whatever. So I think that there, there is a, a much more of a difference when you're talking about audio than, than when you're talking about cameras and stuff. And, and I shoot both film and, and digital photography. So, uh, you know, I, I, I can call BS on, on that one <laughs> when people try to go, oh, it's so much better. Uh, because definitely the digital, the digital, um, has come such a long way, but the, just the way that the sound waves, you know, sort of fold back on themselves in different ways uh, with analog is is very different than how it happens with with digital. So you can get like a, an end result that's sort of comparable, but they're but they're different. I, I had dinner with Steve Albini once, and well, there you go. <laughs> went into yeah detail about analog recording to tape, and it was you know way over my head, but. He was like absolutely committed to it, and yeah, I mean, his whole studio is one of the you know one of the landmarks of, um, you know, pure analog from start to finish recording in in every way. He's he's almost he almost a zealot in a in a in a wonderful yeah. <laughs> wonderful way for sure. Yeah, I was thinking just like I, I didn't even know enough to understand enough to argue about it with him, but I just thought that like if someone who has produced albums that sound as great as his can be yeah. done then analog's got something going for it yeah okay well um so this is uh for playing in the analog universe of sound this this is something that um helps with the kind of full-throated fuzzy gritty sound the loud sound the, yeah. without being loud yeah, exactly. It's uh, at at a tolerable volume level, right? For for other people around you, obviously, cool. if you have a studio or something like that, then this becomes useless. But you know, if you have a an amp in a bedroom, like right. many people do, it's it's quite nice. So it's Sounds so a, cool. A power soak. Yeah, soak up the power. That's great. Thank you so much for that one. That's a, that's one that I had not heard of. I didn't even know it existed. No, I, it's all yeah. news to me. Yeah. So tell us about the next one. Uh, about it's called the bit bar inline. Yeah, so this one I'm I'm really excited about this although I only got it a, a week ago so maybe mm-hmm. you know that that's the okay, <laughs> the excitement there. Okay. <laughs> um but uh but this was a kickstarter that I I backed a long time ago. I was super excited about it when I first saw it came out and and it was finally delivered and this is kind of um you know a revision on on the kind of pocket screwdriver that we all know you know that has two caps on it with you know four tips and you can right, swap them right. around right and they're usually uh, you know kind of like a plastic holder and then you stick your bit in it um and i don't know about you guys but i always keep one of those things in my in my bag i've got them with my pens and all that stuff I, i'm always using that stuff and i'm always frustrated because the plastic that holds the bit strips out or it's really hard on my hand if I've got like a really tight screw, but you know, but they're really handy. They're just not, not super wonderful. So when I, when I 
heard about this, I became super excited. And it's um, just a super over-engineered version of, of those things. Uh, but rather than having a tip on either end, it's more like a pen uh, with a lid that only it's a full body lid. So you kind of pull pull the whole thing out of the middle and turn it around. And it's made of titanium. And so just, just on its own, it's like a really, really solid screwdriver. But then it also has these openings on the sides. Uh, so you can pull the piece that you've stuck out and then stick it into the middle. And then it becomes like a T. So you can have it across your whole hand with uh, the screwdriver you know, coming out between one of your, one of your fingers to really kind of wrench it if you need to. Uh, and, and it's got a bunch of really high powered magnets in it. So you can, you know, you're not going to have the, the little bits falling out all over the place, uh, and, and a wonderful clip that sticks right in your pocket. Um, yeah, I, I love this thing. I really, I, like I said, I got it about a week ago, but it's been used many times every single day since then, even though I'm in my house with actual regular screwdrivers around, I just, I love it. So and it takes regular bits, regular. Hex. Yeah, just a regular, just the regular kind of hex hex bit mm-hmm. that you would use for anything. Totally standard on that. Um, and it it has one kind of in the chamber, and then two two magnet spaces inside to lock other ones in. So you can have three bits that you carry around with you. That's cool, and it's got a nice little pocket clip on it, so you can like clip it to your pants yeah. pocket or. And it's a, like a really. I'm playing with it right now. It is a a super solid titanium clip. So this thing's not going to bend off in your pocket or it looks great. It has a kind of a square or kind of a, what do you want? A square cylinder uh, profile. And how does that fit into your hand? Is that, it feels very nice. And, and you know, it's also nice because it doesn't roll away, but it, um, yeah, Mm -hmm. it, um, it's very, very comfortable to hold the weight. The weight's nice. Uh, I mean, again, especially if you're comparing it against one of those, you know, default kind of plastic two tip things. This just feels so much nicer to touch. Cool. This is called uh bit bar. Cause it's like a bar long, yep. a long bar in line in line, I guess. Cause the bits are stored in line. Yeah. It's probably about right. It's cool. It's a company called big design and I'm just looking, they have one of those cool uh, drawing aids that lets you kind of, look through a little prism angled mirror thing and, and trace onto paper. Oh yeah. Like, like a camera Lucida, whatever. Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah. And they're, they're inexpensive. They have one that's the Neo Lucida that's 40 bucks and it looks cool. It looks like the thing that uh, Tim Jennison did for uh, yeah uh, his Tim's Vermeer, that great right. documentary. Exactly. Okay. Big design. That's cool, Sean. That's a good Yeah. One. They're they're It's great. I'm, I'm very happy with it. And so now, uh, along the same vein, another thing that you carry around is a certain kind of a pen. Tell us about. Yeah, so I, you know, when I was sending this, I realized there's actually two things by the by these same by the same group that I that I use every single day, and I love very much. So it's a it's a company that's called CWT CWNT, and it's um it's two it's a couple um and that's the initials for their name, and, and I think that they're kind of in the. Uh, external social circle of mine and in, in, I think they're friends mm-hmm. of friends in, in a couple mm-hmm. different directions. Uh, but I just, I love their, I love their sensibility and all of the products that they make and put together. I, I really appreciate the kind of thought that goes into it. And um, they've been making pens for a while. Um, primarily I, I was most excited because there's a, there's this really kind of cheap 
disposable pen, the Pilot High Tech C, that just has an absolutely wonderful cartridge in it. Uh, but it only comes in this kind of crappy plastic tube, you know, that you can pick up at at the Lawson uh, or or Family Mart or something in Tokyo, <laughs> right? Um, and so uh, they made their first pen. I think was. Um, you know, like a respectable housing for this. So it's a super over-engineered chunk of metal to stick, to stick this little cartridge in. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then they've refined it many different times. So they've done the pen type A, the pen type B, and now this is the, the pen type C, which I think of the three is the, is the very best one. And Did you describe uh, that, uh, what it looks like? Yes. So it is, it is flat. It is, you know, like 10 pieces of paper stacked on top of each other flat. It is really, really flat. And it has a clip that is also super, super, super flat, which means you can you can stick this thing inside of a book, uh, notebook or something, and mm. you barely know it's there. So it is wonderful for for carrying around in a little journal or you know just taking notes on stuff. Um, the The thickness of this is barely thicker than just the the tube ink itself. tube itself, right? Yeah. Uh, so it is just wonderful. And there's a there's a little spring kind of bar that flops back and forth and acts as a cap. So uh, it locks into place in front of the pen tip, or you can spin it around and then it flaps and extends the thing further back. Uh, but it's actually quite comfortable to hold. I was skeptical when I first saw it. I was like, oh, it's kind of like a flat, wide pen that's going to feel weird. Um, but it actually feels very comfortable, kind of like a... Um, a carpenter's pencil or something that, that you might hold that's a little bit wider. Um, and you know, you're grabbing it and making marks around, uh, and it doesn't hurt to, to write a whole bunch with it where, you know, maybe a, a smaller, a smaller pen might or something. So it's, um, it's really, really nice. And tell me about the, the, the cartridge that it takes, the pilot high tech C, is that what it is? Yeah. Is is that like um, a gel ink or what? what, It's a roller, like just a tip, like a, you know, ballpoint, ballpoint. Uh Um, It doesn't smooth. It dries super fast. Um, It's, it's a a much smoother, right? Than, um, you know, a lot, a lot of these kind of uh, very nicely engineered pens default back to the Fisher, you know, the Fisher space pen cartridge, which I don't, I don't like it all. I don't, I don't know how you guys feel about it, but it's a, you know, it's a, very kind of sticky ink, you know? Yeah, it is. It's kind of hard to write with. And it's just, um, this is just so smooth and you can get different sizes. You can get a really, really ultra fine point if you want, or, you know, slightly wider or something. Yeah. Many, many different colors. They make it for, um, you know, those Colico, uh, pens where there's, you know, like four different colors that you can pick the different ones that pop in them. So you can get these, you know, you can just get the little, cartridges and stick them in all, all this stuff in, in Japan all over the place and at pen stores. But yeah, they're just not, it's not a, a super high end pen, but it's an incredibly wonderful to use cartridge. And um, I, I'm these days really kind of biased to the gel inks. How, how does this compare to a gel ink? I, I don't know because I don't know that I've used a gel ink directly next to it in comparison. Um, I just know that I like this one a lot. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Definitely. And, and so I just, I just did a little bit of searching. We have not had uh, Chiwei or Taylor, that's her name, on okay. the Cool Tools podcast, but she has appeared on a old Boing Boing podcast we used to do hosted by Glenn Fleischman called The New Disruptors. 
And ah. so I'll put a link there if you right. want to listen right. to them talk. We should, have, smart. we should have them on. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm going to hit yeah. them up for sure. I was, I was thinking it was Taylor, but I also have been working with someone named Taylor recently. And I was like, I'm, I don't want to say this because that's going to be wrong. And then, <laughs> so that's yeah. good. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Cool. Okay. So, uh, and another so, thing that, so the, the, mm-hmm. the other piece just quickly that they made oh, um, sure. is, that, that I, that I stuck on there is a, you know, like a, a sort of a box cutter, but it's a, a similar, a similar style in that, um, it is it is a tiny little piece of titanium that is barely larger than than the razor blade itself and has a really strong magnet in it and it just slides out and it's you know I just keep it here on the desk and it's just it's just a wait, wonderful wait a minute you said razor blade what was say it again oh like a box like a box cutter razor blade um, it's in, you know it's inside the pen as well no no it's a this is another another product that they oh make. I'm sorry yeah. we're on to we're on to your next. Um... Okay. I was. This was just a sort of a addendum that they make really nice stuff, and I like their oh, knife as I well. Okay. Is, so okay, I thought they combined it with a pen, which would have been really great. Oh, that would be really cool. Yeah, would that be? You have the pen or the or the cutter? Yeah, I mean that you would get a little a little more beef with TSA on that mm. one. But, but this is <laughs> this is not. <laughs> well, uh, you know, I carry my ninety nine cent plastic box cutter with me, and I have one for all my pants, and it's. Like you said, I work I work in an office, but I use these things every day, all day long. Yep. Um, cutting almost everything. You, I'm just shocked that people don't carry these with them all the time. How how do they get by a day without using one of these? Plastic? They're borrowing it from 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 you. You know, I mean that's <laughs> yeah. I mean that's the thing I learned carrying a, carrying a, a little pocket knife around all the time is that everybody needs to borrow it all the time because nobody, nobody has one. <laughs> Uh, so, so I'm going to just preface this uh, next tool, Sean, just by saying that you like are a big time coffee aficionado. You took me to some awesome, super cool coffee places when we were in Tokyo that are like tiny little holes in the wall and uh, run by like grumpy coffee baristas who will kick <laughs> you out the door if you dare to snap a picture in there. Um, yeah, you did a you uh, ran the uh, espresso place at the TED conferences. So you, you know, your coffee. And so you are going to recommend the coffee grinder. So I'm all ears. So, yeah, I, I, I tend to, I tend to like the coffee. Um, so this <laughs> is a, this is a grinder, um, that I got a, a little while back and, um, and it replaced kind of the, the diehard grinder that I've stood by for, for many, many, many years. The uh, this one is a, a brand called Fellow, and um, and the the model is called the Ode Brew O D E Brew Grinder, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and um, the the model that I used to use, which I still think is a fantastic grinder in every way, is a is called a Vario, um, a Barazza Vario, uh, and it's a great a great grinder in every way. But um, what that grinder does, and what most grinders, even you know, kind of high end grinders and everything, do is they try to cover this really huge spectrum of of grind sizes. You know, all the way from the the very finest thing of espresso, all the way up to uh, you know huge grind that you might use in um, you know French press or something like that. Um, and in order to do that, they have to kind of compensate 
and and kind of lower the standards across the not the standards, but you know, in order to in order to cover a whole lot of bases, you can't hit every single one of them absolutely perfectly without you know having a ten thousand dollar thing or something like mm-hmm. that, right? And mm-hmm. so what this does is it says, okay, we're not going to worry about espresso because you're probably not making espresso at home. We're assuming that you're going to be making pour over French press these sort of uh, larger larger grind size things and we're just going to focus on on that specifically and knock those pieces out of the park so it has really really wonderful burrs uh, for grinding it's not very it doesn't keep a very large hopper uh, so you're just putting the beans in that you're using for that day which helps you keep them fresh in another container someplace else it grinds super fast uh, it is just really impeccable in every way looks really nice on the counter uh, I just so love cool. I just I just love this grinder. Um, Huge dial, I love that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's got two buttons, right? It's got one mm-hmm. big dial and one start button, and then it mm-hmm. automatically turns off when it's done. So it's it's there's no you know there's no uh, messing around. And and you know if you ever if you see this thing or you play with it, that dial feels so wonderful. It's got clicks on every single every single setting. So you know. It's like a old stereo, like a really old stereo volume knob or something, right? You like yeah. lock it into place where you want it to go and then you never have to touch it again. So if you, you know, if you make kind of the same coffee every morning, like I do, I know I got my setting. I never even think about it. The only, the only thing I ever touch on that is the start button. Um, and it's just, it's just beautiful. And so at, at home, do you not make espresso? No, I don't make espresso at home. Um, and not that, not that I have any objection to, to the, that at all. I love espresso and I, I drink espresso when I go to coffee shops, but I think of espresso and this is just my personal thing. So feel free to take or leave this in any way, but I think of espresso a little bit more kind of a social thing. You kind of walk up to the coffee bar and chat with a barista who has a, a much, much, much more expensive uh, mm-hmm. setup than you could have at home and who is probably much more trained than you are. Uh, so they're going to make a really, a really great espresso for you. And you're going to have it and you're going to have a little chat, you're going to drink it, and then you're going to go on your way. That's, that's the espresso experience in my mind that I love. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I could have a lesser experience of that at home and spend a whole lot of money and it wouldn't be that good. I'm not a, I'm not a barista. I'm not, um, you know, I'm not trained in that. I'm not going to, I'm not going to do it that well. And I also don't want to spend thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars kind of to get it to the point where it would be good. Um, and part of the problem of being in that kind of coffee world and, you know, admittedly a coffee snob to some level is that I, I spot it when it's bad. Um, yeah. And so if, I, if I'm doing it at home, then every day I'm going to be like, oh, I suck. I can't believe how terrible I <laughs> right? Um, whereas I know I can make a really good cup of brewed coffee, a really good pour over myself. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm 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 happy to dial in the the brew thing at home. But then when I want the espresso, I'm going to walk down the street and and go to a professional. Yeah, I, I suspected you would say that. I I I once talked to Kyle Glanville, who was like the head of espresso research for Intelli. Gentsia coffee, and I asked him about his home espresso making setup. And even he wouldn't make his own espresso at home because yeah. he said just the he he doesn't have the room or the money to buy the the espresso maker and grinder that's required to make a, a palatable cup of espresso. <laughs> <at least for him. laughs> right. 
Yeah, Kyle and I used to run a company together called uh, Coffee Common, actually, and so That's we did right. a, sort, of, sort of coffee, coffee educational outreach and and stuff. Um, Kyle's great. I love, I love, I love Kyle and yeah. all of his all of his works. I learned I learned a lot from from hanging around him. Yeah, he's amazing. So, so uh, Sean, we have a, a couple of minutes, and I'd love to hear a little bit about your NFT work. Uh, what you're doing and kind of like what's exciting you in the NFT world right now, which is just like exploding. It is, it is absolutely exploding. That's the, that's the perfect word. And um, it's exploding on a daily basis. Uh, you know, the things that were exploding in it yesterday are, are different than the things that are exploding in it, um, you know, will be tomorrow um, or even, even a week ago. It's, it's really uh it's really wild to try to keep up with at the minute, but what I'm finding exciting, um, just kind of in general without spending hours on this is it feels in every way to me, like what the web felt like in 92 and 93 and 94. And, um, you know, this, this kind of open platform where anything was possible and it was all being driven by, by creative people who are trying to make cool stuff because that was all that there was to it. You know, just let's, let's just try to figure out what kind of cool things we can do on here. And, um, and there weren't, there weren't these giant business interests that kind of came in, you know, once we got to web two and stuff like that, who sort of started telling people what they were allowed to do um, mm-hmm. and, and in what parameters they could do it within. So it just feels like this very exciting wild west that's being driven by the creators in every way. And so it's all artists uh, who are leading the conversations and leading the innovation and trying to, you know, outdo each other on crazy ideas. Uh, And it's just incredibly fun and exciting and um, refreshing in so many ways. I mean, I, I feel like uh, I got a bit jaded um, on the internet, you know, over the last, uh, decade or so um again businesses and you know startups and and all that all that kind of world i just kind of got burned out on a lot of stuff and uh this this has been uh so exciting and wonderful to to be a part of in in every way can you give an example of something that has gotten you very excited you think um is worth uh, other people um you know, uh, becoming aware of what's, what's, what's an example of either, either there, there's, I guess, two dimensions. There's the actual content, the art, and then there's the the formats, the vehicles, the technology around it. So is it either, is there art that you think is really fabulous or is there some other kind of innovation happening that you would use as an example? Oh, I think it's all of the above. I mean, I think that, you know, artists that are, you know, I'm fans of that have started to do things in this. I continue to be fans of, I found, you know, new artists who are doing things that I think is quite interesting within this. But I think that especially with, within the NFT thing, um, you're getting this art and whatever else combined to it. And, and community is a huge piece of these. So, uh, you know, buying, a piece of art from from an artist who's producing this might get you special access into parts of their website or a community that only only other people who have this can uh, you know can can get into. Um, so so, can, so I, I'm looking for specific examples. So what would be 
a particular place someone can go to right now to get excited? Where, where would you direct them? And I guess, again, there's two sides. There's the, the creators and then I guess there's consumers or the people who are buying. But let's just talk about either someone who's interested in having art or then someone who's interested in making. Where, where would you point to? specifically right now. As, as sure. That, so if I, you were interested in in sort of checking out one of the communities with a whole bunch of different artists who are kind of playing around mm-hmm. and talking to each other, the very best place I can think of is is a is a, a Discord server that's called discord.art. Okay. And um there's a there's a number of different artists who sort of have made that their home and uh people who but, are but that's Discord. That's just a that's just a regular old um chat place. That's not so, so that's a place to hang out. But is there, is there something happening? What's the in in the NFT world? Let's just say what's happening no, there. No, that's that. No, 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 that, no. That I mean, yes and no. But <laughs> that's what I'm trying to. That's what I'm trying to say. So this is it's a it's a chat, it's a Discord based community. But having NFTs unlocks different areas of it. The artists are there showing stuff off. They're collaborating on things. You can you can just kind of lurk on the wall and see these projects being developed and seeing how people are putting them together. Uh, again, if you buy certain NFTs, then you can get access to different areas. Having something allows you to trade it for something else later on. You can combine them. Uh, people Again, people are coming up with new things almost every day for this, but... Um, it's, so it's I, a, I just want to yeah. unpack that just so, so I understand and readers understand or listeners. So yeah. you have you say NFTs. So NFTs are a token. They're like yep. a ticket. So so um, if you buy a ticket or you buy a password, you can get into um, a part of that conversation. Yep. But I guess the idea that it's more than just buying a ticket to the conversation, the ticket, the token would allow you to do something else as well. Yes. Yes, and exactly. What, what, would, what would be the kinds of things that you might do with that same token? So you might be able to um, trade it in for a different kind of token that the only way that you could get it is is by having that. You might be able to combine it with other things and create something new. So re- no, rather than trade it, you would multiply it and then it turns into other things. So um, what, what, other things, uh, specifically, what would other things be? Other, other NFTs or uh, social tokens or even just um, sort of access to something. So it's almost like collecting pieces of a, a puzzle and once you put it together, you it opens a new yep. door for you. So, yep. so, so these tokens are just little tickets that allow to give you permission to do something. What is it you I do? I mean, imagine if you bought a, a poster from an artist that you like, and then because you had this poster, you were allowed to go hang out in their living room with them. And then, um, depending on which poster you had, you might also be able to get into their game room um, where other artists had other posters and you could pull out the crumpled up poster that you had in your pocket and combine it with the other ones that other people had put together. And now you guys made a bigger one. And because you were able to all put those pieces together, now you get a copy of that that, that you get to take home. And then, <laughs> you know, like all of these things kind of uh, add on top of themselves on, right, right. on a daily basis. Yeah. Okay. So that's interesting. I mean, from an abstract point of view, the thing I would, the, my first thought is that this is kind of monetizing social interactions where the kinds of multiple ways that you might have relationships with somebody um, here, they're all going through this, this mediated thing of the tokens where you get to do things based on your previous use of the token or the kind of token that you have and so the 
maybe or typically organic way in which you might interact with someone who's making something, but now everything is being mediated by tokens. Yeah, tokens are playing a big role with it. I, I would not say monetized because you don't necessarily have to pay for anything. You could you could be airdropped something just for being participating in something. So this is a very common thing right now is these sort of proof of participation NFTs. So uh, mm. just by just by being in this conversation. So let's say that this conversation that we're having right now, if this was maybe a live thing and there was an audience of you know 100 people or 150 people listening, we could we could you know give out a special link. And then everybody who's listening could get this token, but nobody else could ever get it, right? So then you have this token that shows that you were there, kind of, you know, mm. um, and then that gives you access to to something special. Uh, we might also be able to say uh, six months from now, go back and see everybody who has that token that we gave out during this live talk, and send them all all this other thing special. So you just get things out of nowhere because you happen to have other things that you got out of nowhere. Like they um, could get a transcript yeah. to it or. Right. Yep. Yeah. Just quickly, Sean, about gas fees. I understand that like OpenSea is making it so that you can like give away NFTs without having to pay the, you know, $25 approximately Ethereum gas fee that's required. Mm-hmm. Is that what yeah, is that happening? Yeah, it is. So there's different chains, right? Um, and so if you're using the Ethereum chain as it exists currently, um, that's a proof of work and chain, which means that there's, uh, you know, this high gas fee that has to go on, uh, you know, for every kind of transaction, for every block that's written into the chain. But there are other chains which use different systems uh, that have less traffic. So the transaction fees are significantly less. Um, and so the, the, the popular one at the moment uh, that people are starting to use for a lot of things is called Polygon. And it's a it's a side chain to Ethereum. It's not a it's not a it's not something totally different. It's kind of built onto Ethereum, but you can do things on there without having to make Ethereum transactions for everything. And so the transaction fee for anything that you do on Polygon is a fraction of a cent. And so what a lot of people have done to make it easy is just they just cover the that cost for you. So you can you can mint and sell things, transfer things around using the Polygon network. Uh, for no cost at all, mm. um, and that's what OpenSea was using for the the free ones. Then, yeah. So OpenSea OpenSea has added that because I mean, there's there's paid ones on it as well, but there's but there's free ones. And uh, so what some people are doing because again, because it's part of Ethereum, you have the same address for your wallet on Polygon as you do on Ethereum. So maybe if you buy something from me on Ethereum proper, I could send you you know a gift later on. On Polygon, and it wouldn't cost me anything extra to okay, do that. Whereas cool. previously, if I wanted to send you something, it might right. cost hundreds of dollars to. Right. Yeah, yeah. I'll have to yeah. look into that. That's yeah. cool. So, Sean, um, we are going to have to uh, run on because we have another guest. We didn't have a chance to like talk about your your photography or your upcoming book called Interest Driven Life, but I want people to be able to learn about that stuff. So, could you give me one? place or url where they could go to get information about that because i really yeah, wanted just to check it out seanbonner.com is the okay the hub for everything that sounds great yeah and we didn't get to talk about safecast either which is the cool thing that uh, you kindly invited me to be on the advisory board for uh radiation and environmental monitoring citizen science all that you you do too many interesting things to fit into 
a 25 minute podcast. So we're just going <laughs> to have to accept that. <laughs> I'll yeah. turn it down. <laughs> yeah. yeah you, more you, need that, you need that power soaker for you. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. A, a, yeah. A Bonner soaker. <laughs> so, <laughs> all right. Well, cool, Sean. Thanks so much. This was fun. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. Hey, everybody. It's Mark from the Cool Tools Podcast. I want to thank you for being a listener to Cool Tools. And I also would like to let you know about our Patreon page. If you would like to support the Cool Tools show, as well as our video channel, the website, and all the newsletters that we do, you can go to patreon.com slash cool tools. That's just one word, cool tools, and pledge any amount you want. You could even pledge a dollar a month. Every little bit helps. We have editors, we pay for transcribing costs, we pay our reviewers. Every bit of money that you contribute goes towards supporting the show. I'd like to give a shout out to our supporters of the Cool Tools podcast. This week, I'd like to thank the following Patreon supporters. Bill Schuler, Bob Kay, Ryan Pelly, Carl D. Patterson, Chad Cosby, Chris Wheeland, Chris Weirstook, Craig Tooker, Dan O'Brien, Dean Putney, Danelle Cunningham, Evan Barker, Graham Medlin, Hans Riesbeck, Helen Hegedus, Jerry Kearns, Jim Lesko, Jim Spofford, John Pollock, John Burdenbaugh, Keith O, Ken Altman, Les Howard, Lauren Bast, Mock Nerd, Malton Make, Mark Goebel, Matt Gromes, Michael Douglas, Michael Jones, and Michael Pecorini. Thanks to all of you for supporting the Cool Tools Show. We really appreciate it. 